Hello, hello, and welcome on The Barricades. This is a political show, a podcast produced by Eastern European journalists and academics, and I am your host, Maria Cernat. I am an academic based in Bucharest, Romania. And with me today, we have Ben Burgess. Uh, he is a frequent guest, and I uh, hope he is also a friend of our show. He is an academic who teaches at Georgia State University, author of many books like Give Them an Argument, Logic for the Left, Canceling Comedians While the World Burns. I had the privilege to write a review for that very interesting book. And he is uh, quite a media personality. He is invited in a lot of uh, U.S. political shows, and he is a contributor for the Jacobin magazine. Thank you for being here with us, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back. Okay, so the war in uh, Ukraine, this is a tragic event, though, and it is debated all over the world. And in our show, even though we were not focused mainly on Ukraine, but since our countries, that is Romania, Bulgaria, are so close to, and Poland are so close to Ukraine, we had no choice but to focus on what's happening there. And mm -hmm. we had uh, people uh, from... Um, from the academia, from Ukraine, we had the feminist uh, Ukrainian, uh, Oksana Duchka. We had Volodya Artyuk. I welcome everybody to go and watch the interviews that we did with these people because they are the ones to offer a critical perspective. And we also had... Uh, a political scientist from Moscow State University, and I think that is very rare these days to discuss with Russians about Russia. And uh, it is only fair that now we have an Im uh, invited an American to our show. Now, the reason I invited you uh, is not to discuss in, uh, international politics, but to discuss something else. You are a trained logician. You teach critical thinking. You wrote a book on critical thinking. And as they say, the truth is the first victim of war. While it is impossible to establish the truth right now, especially in Ukraine, since um, uh, everything is so confused and we have so much communication and so little information. Uh, the best we can come up with, I think, is an analysis of the arguments that are being put forward by authorities and by uh, journalists in the mainstream press. And I would like us to start with an argument that was actually put forward by Vladimir Putin, saying something like this. Ukraine has no identity of its own. It is an artificial creation, and therefore, it is perfectly okay for us, the Russians, to go there and save it from its elite, from its corrupt elites. I think this is an invalid argument, and it is also based on a false premise. What is your mm. take on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly with you on that. I mean, I think that I mean, the premise is just strange because I don't really know what it means to say that it's a false creation I, as if like some nation states just appeared in nature, you know, and, and, and others had to, had to be created. I mean, they're, they're all, they're all created. I mean, all nationalism is relatively historically recent, you know, whether it's Russian nationalism or Ukrainian nationalism or any other nationalism. So, I mean, it, it just seems like the, the premise is trying to make a distinction that doesn't really make sense. And even if it were true, I don't know why, 
you know, at the very least, there's a missing premise there because I don't know why, you know, they, you know, whatever artificiality of Ukrainian nationalism or whatever is trying to say there would would mean that it was more legitimate uh, to uh, to to invade the the country, you know, against the will of most people who who live there. Then, if 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 not, I mean, that just that just doesn't seem relevant. Yeah, so I would say this is far from enough reason. And also, I think I can't think of an argument to justify mm. invasion right now. How could you de- justify something like this? You could say what? Yeah, I mean, it, I think that the the pretense is is just absurdly thin. Uh, that you know that it's it's about. Um, you know that it's about Nazis. You know that that uh, that the that the like right wing, you know, chauvinist government of Russia is just so morally offended by the existence of far right militias in Ukraine that you know that's what moved them to to invade is is kind of an insult to everybody's intelligence. I mean, I, it reminds me a lot. I have to say, I mean, not that the two situations aren't very different. Of course they are, but it still reminds me a lot of of listening to people trying to justify the invasion of Iraq and. Uh, 2002 and uh and 2003 uh i i you know i i think it's i think it's totally absurd and i i wish that the uh fact i wish that analogy were a little bit more explored in the uh uh in the american media because it's been bizarre to see um all of these people who supported that evasion suddenly discovering the importance of national sovereignty it's been bizarre to see the uh, the Western media discovering that uh, the dropping cluster bombs in populated areas is a war crime, you know, like like all of these, you know, they're <laughs> no, right about all of it. But... We will <laughs> get to that because this is such a double standard and so much hypocrisy. But bear with me. Uh, mm. Let us go to the second one. So. I formulated like this the argument that the Russian authorities put forward. Ukraine has a major problem with the far-right extremists in its security apparatus. Therefore, we have to invade it to denazify it. <laughs> yeah, so, this is an invalid argument, but I think it's it is based on a true premise. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. Like there there really are there really are far right militias that have been integrated into the Ukrainian military, at least in an informal way, and, and that that really is bad. That's a problem. But um, but the leap from there to say that it's fine to invade the uh, the entire country is is just bizarre. I don't know what principle is supposed to justify that. I mean, they they have, and certainly, I mean, if we were going to go along with the idea that any time there's something like the Azov battalion in some country, you know, that there were, there's something equivalently bad, you know, then, then you can, you can come in and invade. I mean, that's, uh, you know, the world is full of places that, you know, that, that would be, that would be invaded if we, you know, consistently applied that standard. Yes, I would say so. I would say so that that would open the door for invasion in any kind of, maybe not so much because, um, from what I spoke with Volodya Artyuk, and again, I urge the, the viewers to go and um, mm. watch the discussion with this anthropologist specializing in labor relations and also with Andrei Buzarov from Ukraine. And they explained that basically there is um, 
a far-right problem. And even though it is not so visible, they are very mm. powerful. And they, mm -hmm. uh, as Volodya told me, they basically kept the country hostage because uh, they were so violent that they managed to impose their will through sheer force. But again, this is a very, a very... How should I say to go from that to the idea that that justifies in some way the invasion is just is just crazy. It's, now, it's also it's also very strange to think that that has like anything to do with the motivations of the the Putin government. You know, I mean, this is a government that's been all too willing to support you know far right you know um, far right parties, whatever it's convenient to them in any country, it's it's convenient to them to to do it, right? I mean that this is suddenly you know they're they're just concerned that you know with the, the far right in in ukraine i mean that that doesn't you know that doesn't make a lot of sense in the face of it no it doesn't now on the other let's mm -hmm. switch it now to the other part if you are pro-ukraine you have to be pro-zelinsky because he's <laughs> the country leader yeah yeah no it, it is amazing to me that um a month ago, I don't think anybody who I, I think the only people in the United States who knew who Zelensky was were like, you know, Ukrainian Americans or, you know, or, or or like a few people at think tanks, you know, that 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 was that was about, you know, or like who worked for newspapers where they happened to cover, you know, Eastern Europe. But uh, the the cult of personality of this this person is is incredible and it's it's bizarre you know that they have like like that it's because most people who most people who you know worship Zelensky now you know didn't know who he was a few weeks ago because you know suddenly like I, I mean it's just based on so little information and you know what's the um um and you know the fact that like anybody who did know a little bit about Ukraine a few weeks ago, you know, knew about you know corruption and you know et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? I mean that they have, but suddenly all that's all that's forgotten because this person who you know let's not forget was originally you know before he's president he played president on TV, so of course he's good at it, you know. But uh, but it doesn't, um, you know. But the idea that that. Uh, you know the idea that on that basis, you know, you should you should see him as as this great national leader is just very very strange to me. And of course, you could be you know you could support. You know, look, I don't think Iraq should have been invaded, but you know, but that doesn't mean that you know that doesn't mean that I have you know warm feelings about Saddam Hussein. Even though here, I I think there is also this element of. Um, of this person being very media savvy, as you said, but he mm. was supported by a Ukrainian oligarch that all of the sudden is a good guy, right? Because he gave us Zelensky. I mean, the next argument, if we follow this train of thought, is that uh, it was exceptional of this um, Ukrainian oligarch. I don't quite remember his name, but I will remember uh, eventually. So, uh, he was exceptional in his initiative of supporting also some base of battalions, but also especially these TV personalities, isn't it? So all of a sudden now he's a good guy, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's it, it's extremely it's extremely strange, and it's it's depressing because I think a lot of people who um, could only process this as like a, a fairy tale about you know about good and evil, and everything is sort of filtered through 
analogies to you know World War II or Marvel Comics, uh, you know, is has has decided that that um, that you know that that he's the hero of the story instead of just thinking that he's a politician and you probably shouldn't form judgments about politicians at all, you know, without a lot more research than this. Yes, of course. And I urge the readers, if they don't believe us because we are just some crazy leftists, uh, go read the Wikipedia uh, page that uh, discusses this personality I'm talking. It's His name is Kolomoisky. So this is the name of the Ukrainian oligarch that supported, he has a major media station. And let us not forget that just a few days ago, President Zelensky decided to integrate all Ukrainian media channels into one. And I suppose it is um, integrated into this uh, kind of media conglomerate that was controlled, although this is a speculation, but uh, it is only fair to assume that he would pay a tribute to his supporter, Kolomoisky. And read what this guy did uh, before you embark on this holy mission of defending uh, Zelensky and thinking he is just this knight in shining armor that is going to save Ukraine um, from the invaders and so on and so forth. Now, another one, very interesting, and it has to do also with the media. If you are pro-Ukraine, you have to believe everything the Ukrainian authorities and the Ukrainian media tell you. Yeah, that that what is that what is pretty amazing, especially since about once every two days it feels like something comes out where, um, you know, the, you know, oh, there are those people on that island that you know that that, that we know you know told the uh, told the Russian army to fuck off and they were killed and you know and, and you know and, and now two days later I guess not right you know like there's stuff like this that happens all the time, and in general you'd think okay anytime. I mean, anytime there's a war going on, I mean, like that they anything that's reported the first like day, you know, I I, I mean, just fog of war. You was, you should assume, right? You know that you don't really know what happened, and particularly here because, and, and it is really funny, I have to say, because for the last several years in the United States, we've been hearing about how you know Vladimir Putin and his government and his supporters are masters of disinformation and propaganda, and, you know. And somehow none of that paid off for them, right? Because because absolutely no one here supports anything that the Russian government is doing. But the actual propaganda that we're just awash in is um, is Ukrainian propaganda. And when I say that, that doesn't mean that I think that the you know Ukrainians are are wrong about the larger issue. Of course, right? I mean that they they are. You know they they're they're right. You know that they. I mean it's they are. I mean, they are being subjected to, you know, an absolutely awful, I would say, imperialist war. But I, I think, um, but of course, it's it's in the interests of the Ukrainian government to their supporters, you know, to uh, to to control the media narrative as much as at all possible. And of course, you can't trust this stuff. And it, it, it's just, it's bizarre to me that anybody would, uh, you know, would think otherwise that in any war, you know, that that just just because you you know, just because you're sympathetic to to one side of it, that be that means that means that every you know every you know media report that they they put out into the world, you know, should be taken as gospel truth. 
Yes, I think this is also amazing, the, the fact that the West was always proud and was always lecturing us, especially in Eastern Europe, since we are little and poor. Isn't it the poor little relatives that uh, in terms of objectivity in journalism and also pluralism and allowing everybody to have their take? Whereas what, what we see now is first, an attempt to isolate propaganda and evil into one part of the world, and mm -hmm. that is Kremlin. Okay. Right. And now there is a problem with that uh, because, I mean, multiple. First of all, if we uh, stick to, to pure logic, right? So if the problem is there, then the only logical step is to eliminate it and then we will be all happy. Everything else would be true because the only source of false claims mm -hmm. are the Russian authorities. You close down any kind of ties with the Russian authorities' media channels, right? Therefore, you have only true claims, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, this dual. Well, and, and, I mean, and, and not only that, but I mean, like, really, I would say in some ways, I mean, Russian propaganda is the kind that we need to worry about least right now because it's also crude and obvious that everybody can see it from you know a hundred miles away, right? You know, I mean, who who believes that you know Putin is invading Ukraine to denazify it? You know, that that's. Uh, Whereas, like the Ukrainian propaganda is way more media savvy, and you know, you 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 should, and like you actually have to pay a lot more attention to sort out what's true and what's false. Yes, I would say so, and um, also this idea that they don't even uh, allow the others. Let us say not Russia today, but maybe the Russian authorities. When you are a journalist and you are serious, and you know you don't have the money to send people on the ground to verify for themselves, then you listen to part A, the Ukrainians, and also to the other part, the Russians, and then you offer, and that means you trust your public to make the right decision. You don't decide for them, isn't it? It seems so authoritarian that you are protecting somehow the public for what the others would have to say. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's, 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 it's grotesque. I mean, like that, I, I was incredibly disturbed that the, um, you know, Russia today, the uh, RT America uh, was, was, was shut down very quickly. You know, after the uh, after the war started, um, basically the corporations that you know actually distributed it to uh, to television stations just just cut it off immediately, and the entire network had to shut down. And um, you know, to uh, I guess for the sake of full disclosure, I should say I was I was on RT once. We didn't talk about Russia. I was just interviewed oh. about a book, but uh, <laughs> I should. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, but it, it's I find it incredibly disturbing. Look, I wouldn't I would find it disturbing if uh, if there was you know I mean if there was a AT Russia that was uh, that, that that was shut down because you know because I I think um, because I think people should be trusted to watch whatever news networks they want to and, and to sort out uh, you know to sort out the biases for themselves. You know I mean I, I, it's it's incredibly condescending and. Uh, you know, paternalistic to say that, you know, that you, you know, you proles can't figure this out. We have to, you know, like technocratic liberals have to decide for you. 
what information you know you can be trusted to take in and uh, and what you can't and it's it's uh, it's undemocratic and I know when people I say that I know there are people who say oh but see you know they wouldn't allow you know an AT Russia and you know under Putin I would just say okay but maybe let's try to be better than that. Yes, because you see the other logical, uh, you know, conclusion that you can draw from that is that you try to fight Putin, but you try so hard that you start to resemble, you know, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, from trying too hard, maybe you start imitating or, or maybe if you don't want to end up like that, a good place to start would be to allow pluralism and even that, because as you said, and I, I am a media theorist, I mean, I've been reading and watching and reading about media for years now, and I'm sorry, but the fact the Russian presidents were never forced to win elections made them very lazy in terms of propaganda. They don't understand it, it is my opinion. They don't understand it. They don't understand how important it is. They don't understand how it works. And they are so lame at it. <laughs> I mean, blatantly lame. I mean, in 2014, I remember because I taught in a security studies department. I mean, it was an accident. I, uh, I was filling up for somebody it was quite an experience to meet, you know, the people who work in security in the security apparatus. And uh, at some point, they were obsessively discussing Russian propaganda in 2014 and 2015, and they were analyzing the, uh, Putin's discourse after the annexation of Crimea. And it was so incredibly boring. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. And they kept coming to me as a media theorist. Oh, Mr. Janat, don't you think this is state-of-the-art propaganda? I was looking like, come on, don't you realize that when you start reading this, everybody in the room uh, goes to sleep? I mean, it is incredibly boring and stupid. No, this is not the way to do it, but it's very hard to convince people. Now, Why? Uh, because there is also this dual thinking. In, in mm -hmm. logic, we call it the false dilemma. I mean, if you criticize mm -hmm. NATO, then mm -hmm. you are pro-Putin because there are only two possibilities, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And, and I think, um, which, again, I have to say, does remind me very much of you know, the aftermath of the September 11th terrorist attacks when I was in my early 20s that, you know, the, uh, you know, George W. Bush said, you know, you're with us or you're, uh, you're with the terrorists. Uh, and, uh, and the general idea that if you, you know, were against the invasion of Afghanistan, if you had, uh, you know, if, if you had any reservations about anything that was going on, you know, then, uh, that, then you, you must, uh, you must really support Al Qaeda. You know, it's the same, it's the same thing here, right? You know, or or you know, whatever. I mean, that if you, you know, if if you, uh, um, you know, if if you didn't, uh, you know, we could go back earlier, right? If you didn't like everything that the CIA was doing in the Cold War, you know, then then, then you must be, you know, you must be a supporter of of you know, whatever Brezhnev supporter, you know, that they have a, and and it's it's all uh, it's all kind of equally ridiculous because of course, like you could you could be against lots of things at once, you know, uh, that uh, it's, it's, it's easy and, and, and important actually to, 
to be against uh, to be against uh, lots of things at once. So, you know, there's there's absolute you know there's absolutely no problem with saying that. Um, I mean, we could argue about whether these things are true, but like, there's there's no problem with saying. Uh, I think you know NATO expansion is a problem, and and, and, it, and it makes uh, you know, and, and it actually causes a lot of instability, and you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I think if the you know, I think if the United States set up a um, a no fly zone in Ukraine and ended all of human civilization, you know, that that would be bad, you know, but like it, you can say. <laughs> You know, you can say all of that, and still, and 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 still say, and still be opposed to, um, you know, still be opposed to the war being waged by uh, by Russia in, uh, in in Ukraine. I mean, the you know, the world is is uh, the world is full of situations where you know where you know one gangster does something terrible, and another gangster tries to use it to you know to gather support for them. You know, like that that happens all the time. That's a constant of human history. I don't know why this should be different. Yes, and also uh, we are put in this position where we are presented, um, and the situation is presented as such that there is no alternative. I mean, we have to support Ukraine, even if it means destroying the planet, because this is the way to die with courage, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to see our planet go just to save Ukraine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which, what, what, what? My, uh, you know, speaking of logic, I mean, one of my problems with that is that Ukraine is part of the planet. So, um, you know, if if there was if there was World War Three, you know, that that would not in fact save uh, save Ukraine or anyone else. Yeah, of course, that would destroy us along with them. Now, um, the the last thing that I want to discuss in this segment of our show, I wanted to give my interpretation and for you to tell me, I think that basically the liberal elites in the U.S. are afraid and the collective West basically is afraid that some people might actually look for a different type of information in Russia today. And why do mm -hmm. I say that? I don't think that prior to this... Um, social media networks to this evolution of communication technology uh, was possible for a nation state uh, or for the countries in the ex-Soviet bloc to come up with interesting uh, media products for the West. Whereas now, even though it is bad and still very, very lame, um, it is still possible for the Russians to, to integrate themselves into the media arena of the West. And I think uh, this is why they, they feel the need to censor it and to, to, to ban it altogether, as if they are the only ones lying in the room. Yeah, uh, I, I mean... It yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I, I think that it's, uh, I don't know how much of a threat, you know, RT really was to them, but um, they they have, uh, but I mean, I, I guess there's the instinct to make sure, you know, that, that nobody's, you know, nobody's paying attention to, to anyone else or what any, anybody else uh, has to, uh, 
has to say. I mean, it certainly doesn't look very confident, you know, if you're if you're that worried. I mean, that like at a time when, you know, like support for like support for Putin or for the war in Ukraine in the West is like within the margin of error in every poll, right? You know, like like under those circumstances, if if you're just eager to seek out any operating, I mean, like they took out, um, so like when RT America was taken down, they also uh, they also removed all of the all of the archives from uh, from YouTube. Uh, Ed Schultz, who was a uh, who was an RT host, but before that was you know was a was an MSNBC host, and who's been dead for several years. His uh, his Twitter profile had a note on it saying you know that was added after that said you know Russian state affiliated media you know to to, to warn everybody you know that uh, about it. And, and it, it, it is, I mean, it is a pretty remarkable gesture of, of lack of confidence that they feel the need to, to do any of this right now. And it does make you wonder what they're afraid of. Right. So I will end here the first segment of our show. Thank you so much for being here with us. And to our viewers, please go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the barricade. And to the extent that you can afford, please make a donation and support independent media from uh, Eastern Europe.